Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. And I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. And I'm Ladyboy Gigi, and we have Damien with us, a Hi. special guest. And our topic tonight's going to be on impact play. And I'd like to let Damien introduce themselves. <laughs> I'm Damien. I go by he, him pronouns. I was active in the scene about two years, and then I kind of been doing some private play for about three years and getting back into it more now. And Impact Play is like pretty much my top kink. So excited for this. <laughs> and I would like to say, as with all the things we do on our show, especially with BDSM, I always like to cover a little bit of the safety first, just to let people know that you have to play safe with this stuff because sometimes what we do in BDSM could be dangerous if we don't practice safety protocol. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the safety issues that you'd like to cover? Okay, well, obviously with impact play, we're hitting people, we're spanking. <laughs> so you have to be careful on where you do it. Some areas of the body can take more than others. So there's safe zones, okay zones, and then just no-go zones. So the no-go zones would be like the backs of the knee, neck, face you got to be careful with, 
kidney area cannot take any like deep impact. And describe the kidney area. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know where your kidneys are, they're going to be lower back, like right above your butt area. So that area, mm-hmm. careful with. The good zones to go for is the butt, front of the thighs, back of the thighs, pretty good areas. You can do some on the chest. You might want to be a little careful with that. Very careful if you're going to do like the stomach area at all. Just do like slight play there. And yeah, you can do calves, soles of the feet. You could do that. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) A little bit. And yeah. Another thing that you need to ask about if you're playing with someone you've never played with before ask them if they have any family history with diabetes or anything like that there so for me i have a pinched nerve and in my shoulder blade so if someone's gonna do the upper back they need to know that they probably shouldn't go very hard like right where the shoulder blades meet ask about like whatever medical conditions people have sometimes people have problems with their sciatic nerve (laughs) particularly when it comes to nervous issues because one of the things that comes out of that is neuropathy someone can take a lot of play in those areas sometimes but then it will have long-term effects that they don't want and also, if you're restraining the submissive, check their circulation periodically in the hands and feet, especially if they're, you have them cuffed. <laughs> so what are some of the ways that you can check for someone's circulation? Basically, you can just feel for warmth. Mm-hmm. If circulation's cut off, the hands or feet may start getting cold. Mm-hmm. And also check the color. Their skin tones starting to turn blue or is not the same as mm-hmm. above the restraint, then it's time to let them loose for a little while. Mm-hmm. What about uh, capillary refill? So capillary <laughs> refill is with fingers and toes, if you squeeze it and you see that it turns white, you want to see how quickly the blood comes back into the extremities. So that's another really good way to see if they're getting circulation. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Damien? So along with these physical check-ins, obviously you want to do like a verbal check-in because you might just want to ask your bottom, like, hey, are you doing all right? Maybe not in such a straightforward manner if you want to like keep the scene or keep in the context of the scene. But yeah, definitely verbal check-ins are very important. I, and that that goes in pretty well to safe words. So I know that for a lot of people, unless you have specific safe words, a lot of people who are maybe doing a scene the first time together, a good way to handle Safe words is based on the, like, stoplight. Red means I need the scene to stop completely. Yellow means back off. And then green means, like, go, go harder. I'm good to go. And one of the ones that I like that Gigi uses that I've really incorporated to my into my play 
is the color orange. Orange means I really appreciate the intensity, but the spot that you're playing in needs to move. Or what we're doing isn't working right now. Let's do something else. So did you want to talk a little bit about negotiations? Uh, yeah, I think we can like lead right into that. So yeah, you want to start with negotiations before you do anything. I've heard some people do kind of an inclusive negotiation where they're like, okay, I want to have this, this, and this in the scene. Some people like to do kind of more exclusive and just like say, absolutely not this, absolutely not this, everything else should be good. I personally, and what I've seen some other people do, and I personally like to do is a little both. So this, no, this, no, but definitely this. Mm -hmm. I think it, it gives a good picture of what you want from a scene. Yeah. And also a good tool for negotiations is to complete a BDSM interest evaluation. That way you can find out all the things that a person likes, dislikes, or is fearful of. Mm -hmm. And using a good BDSM interest evaluation, which we provide, can really go a long ways in taking some of the guesswork out. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good, especially if you're just starting out and you're like, I'm not even sure what I want or what's not on the table. It's nice to have something to look at. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK, that seems good or not that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. M maybe we want to get into a little bit like there are different kinds of impact play and different kinds of pain. And I know that like stingy and and thuddy are like the two big ones that people talk about. Do you want to talk about like what the difference between those two are? Yeah. Okay. So thuddy is going to be high pressure, deep kind of impact or pain. And stingy is, um, how to describe stingy? <laughs> well, you know, like a slap that like, <laughs> that sound that like ah you know mm -hmm. <laughs> that's stingy mm -hmm. and a lot of floggers can either be stingy or thuddy depending on the strands mm -hmm. i've got one that's got some heavy strands that's very thuddy mm -hmm. and some toys can kind of have a, a mixture of both and kind of make mm -hmm. kind of a different kind of sensation mm -hmm. so also depends on how you use it yeah i know for me personally like when I start a, a scene, I prefer stingy pain. But as this scene develops, I prefer thuddy pain. I feel for, for me personally that the stingy sensation like really wakes up the endorphins to start like flowing. And after the endorphins are going, I can really get into like the deeper pain and often with a study pain that's where like the bruises are going to come from mm -hmm. and that you can lead into the next part after negotiations is when you do that start the scene do a warm-up now a lot of doms don't take the time they just go straight into it but warming up your sub is very important it starts easing them into the headspace. Mm -hmm. It also starts warming up those endorphins because the way endorphins work, at least in my experience, is that as you do in 
impact plate. So your endorphins are your body's natural painkillers. And I think that you get more out of the, the endorphins than the pain that is caused. And if you build those up enough, that you can get to where you can do deeper play. So like a, a warm-up is really important to start building those endorphins and the other like brain chemicals that because there's a cascade of endorphins which causes a rush of serotonin and then later a rush of dopamine and then if you go real real deep you can even get some oxytocin off of it but that's it takes real deep play to get to the oxytocin. And Damien, what is your techniques when you play a scene? So I noticed not everyone likes to start out with thingy, stiggy, or some people like to start out with thuddy, at least in my experience. <laughs> so that's something that you also want to include in your negotiation. Like, how do you like to do warm up? Because people might have different needs, different lengths of time for warm up. So that's something also to discuss. Mm -hmm. Personally, I like to start out with thuddy toys and just kind of go slow. And I also use my hands a lot, but that's because I'm like, I'm kind of primal. So I like using my hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've also seen some tops like to like massage their bottom a little bit to like get the blood flowing. So that's another technique to like, I guess, like physically warm up your mm -hmm. bottom. And I often use a little bit of breath play. And I do it in a very safe way. I will have my submissive hold their breath until I tell them they can breathe again. <laughs> and that way, if they go a little too long, all they're going to do is faint and their body will kick in and start breathing again. Yeah, but... But uh, I don't restrict the breath myself. Mm -hmm. But also, I will say, as the recipient of that, you also pay attention to the bottom. Like, I know that, like, when I'm having a hard time, like I start like like making gestures like, gestures that I'm ready for breath. And I don't take a breath until you tell me to. You normally let me hold it still for like 10 more seconds. Yeah. <laughs> once I start but that's gesturing cause... that I need breath. But but that's part of the thing. Yeah, that's I, I enjoy seeing my sub squirm a bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is part of the fun. <laughs> I guess that's actually kind of also another good point. If you're going to gag your bottom or if there's if they are the type of person who might go nonverbal, it might be good to have like another way to check in on them. So like mm -hmm. something that I've done with the partner is that we did like a squeeze thing. So like I'll put my hand in her hand and she'll like squeeze it. And like a long squeeze means like we might need to slow down or stop. And like no squeeze is like we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Another one that Gigi does that I like is uh, you put a handkerchief in your sub's hand and if they wave it, that's like a yellow. And if they drop it, that's a red. I've also seen someone use like a, a dog clicker, like that little click thing you use to train dogs as a way to like <laughs> to signal. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> to signal. So yeah, there's options. 
You get creative with it. And that's part of negotiations. You need to decide what signals you're going to use up front before the scene starts. Oh, also, I think something else to include in negotiations, particularly for impact, is that some people might not like certain toys, either Mm -hmm. for like very personal reasons or they're just like not fond of them. Mm -hmm. Personally, when I bought them, I hate wooden paddles. (laughs) Okay. So things like that. So you you might like want to say like, oh, are these toys on the table are these Mm -hmm. good maybe at certain points glad you brought that up because there's a psychological side too if someone's been traumatized as a child with a certain implement you don't want to be using that in the scene Mm -hmm. yep yeah for sure (laughs) unless i i will say like you push me past my comfort level and like we've done things that uh you knew were uncomfortable for me, but we had been playing long enough for you to know when it was time to introduce those things and you introduced them slowly. I like those were some of the most powerful scenes for me, but it was only after we had established deep trust in each other and I felt safe in going to the point where I could do that. And so it doesn't, just because something is scary doesn't mean it's off the table forever, but it it takes a a lot of nuance to do it. And there's another technique I'd like to bring up. It's not really impact play, but it includes all forms of BDSM play. And that is to start building that trust and connection, You, the dom needs to take control of the submissive's basic needs. If you look at Asimov's triangle or pyramid, the basic needs are things like going to the bathroom, breathing, eating, drinking, all your basic needs for survival. And so having your sub ask permission before they can drink or go to the bathroom, that starts building that power exchange. If that's what you're going for. <laughs> yeah. Personally, uh, me, I'm more, with impact, I'm more strictly a top. I don't usually do very much power exchange. I kind of, I am very sadistic and I like, I like, I like giving pain. I like, that's like my biggest thing that I get out of a scene. So... Mm-hmm. I personally don't do very much power exchange, but it's still important, even if you're just a top with no power exchange, to like be very aware, checking in on what your bottom needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are some of your favorite toys? <laughs> My favorite toys. Okay. <laughs> hmm. One of, I actually have a few pervertibles, and pervertibles are things that are like normal household items or things you can get like at the store. That you just turn into kink toys. So mm-hmm. <laughs> some of my favorite is I have a metal ruler. I have a silicone like pancake flipper spatula thing. Those are some of my favorites because mm-hmm. that one makes a very nice sound. And Wooden spoons. At home, don't use one that you use for yeah. cooking. Get a brand new one. <laughs> you need exclusive toys. You cannot switch these around. These need to be just for play. <laughs> I like to clarify that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't go grab the spoon from the kitchen. Otherwise, you can't use that for the kitchen no more. (laughs) Some of my other favorite toys are 
are toys actually that were made by a sadist. So these are kind of a little bit creative. I have one that's a paddle that's made out of fire hose and filled with lead shot. Oh. That one tends to be very popular. <laughs> very good thuddy toy. Yes, if you like that, that's a good toy. Uh, I have one that's a ping pong paddle that has Legos on one side and rabbit fur on the other side. And that one I find is very good for like mind games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like switching between sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my notable mentions. <laughs> the one of the ones that Gigi has that I really like is he has an aluminum paddle. And one of the things that's really nice about it is... No, because, I think it's stainless steel, actually. Oh, it, is it? Yeah. Okay. But because it's made out of metal, it stays cold most of the time. <laughs> so when you rub it on someone's butt, like they know what's coming. And, it, and also, if you've already done some impact play and like it's already stinging a lot like that cold metal against your skin feels so good mm-hmm. oh man that's one of the things i like about impact play is that it's pretty versatile and you can kind of incorporate different things so you can mm-hmm. kind of do sensation play temperature play primal mm-hmm. obviously so mm-hmm. yeah and while i haven't done it with you you can also put a a dish, a big dish of ice water, mm-hmm. and put the metal paddle into it to oh, cool it down. even mm-hmm. further. <laughs> yeah, but don't stick it in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, it might stick to the skin, so yeah. don't do that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other things you enjoy? Well, as I mentioned, I like a little bit of primal play, so I very much like using my hands. I don't know. I guess it's it's more personal for me when I actually get to do like skin to skin contact. So Can you kind of describe what primal play is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, primal play is kind of going off instinct a little bit. It's a little bit like getting a little animalistic. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's different ways to do it. There's not just one way to be primal. But yeah, it's kind of just letting go a little bit and kind of. I guess uh, giving into impulses a little bit. Mm-hmm. What feels natural, and, and also like using your body instead of other implements. Like I know when you do primal play, a lot of times you work with your fingernails and dig them in. You like bite. You you slap. You you use your body. Which kind of leads into rough body play, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't do too much of, but that's, yeah, pretty much just using your body for impact, which can be extremely primal. Yeah. I mean, you can go pretty deep and you have to, like, when you get into like rough body play, you really have to be a little bit more careful because at, at that point, you can use your knees, you can use your elbows, you can use your fists, and uh, you have to do a lot of negotiation before you do a scene like that. It it takes, like, really trusting with the people who are doing that to, like, really get to that level. And I would add that it would be good to have a fairly basic understanding of human anatomy before you get into heavy impact play very Mm -hmm. important oh going back to negotiation so some people 
like to mix sex and kink and some people do not. So that's another thing to include in negotiation is, uh, especially with impact play, which is going to involve, you know, direct contact with the body. You got to know if sexual touch or sensual touch is okay, or if it's not okay. Mm -hmm. Very important to know. Do not assume that someone is going to be into any kind of sexual play. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And, and also when you're doing negotiation, like part of the conversation is like what areas are like on the table and what areas aren't. I know for me, I really love cock and ball torture. I love CBT. So like that's on the table, but you can't assume after you play with me that everyone else is going to be there because most people won't. Yep. And I even have a ball paddle and a vulva paddle that I created just for cock and ball and vulva torture. So I'm, I'm really wicked in that area. Mm. I love it. <laughs> they're very cute paddles. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and they're, they're labeled very clearly. You, you don't have to guess what they're for. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think we should get into toys a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do not buy impact toys from a sex shop. Just don't do it. It's not a good idea. They're cheap. They're usually never good and overpriced. So good places to go. Etsy tends to have good sellers. Getting involved in your local scene is very important because there will be a lot of sellers around that, you know, make these toys by hand or, you know, they're just going to be, they're going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mass produced ones uh, <laughs> tend to be of much poorer quality. Mm -hmm. And you can make your own. If you're good at woodworking, I make all my wooden paddles and I make them out of Oak. And then I put a Marine varnish on them. So they're fluid proof. You can clean them full thoroughly. And I put about six coats of marine varnish on. So they're, the wood's really sealed. Mm -hmm. So it's important, even if you buy a wooden paddle, to either keep it for one person's use, one submissive's use, or give it some coats of marine varnish. Or, or there, there are other kinds of varnish you can yeah. use. But well, it... marine varnish is waterproof. Yeah, yeah. Shows are not. <laughs> yeah, you want it to be not very porous. Mm -hmm. I've also known toy makers that use a uh, food grade. Um, what do they call it? Like coating. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that too. But also, if you're just starting out, I would start with pervertibles. <laughs> also, just use it for one person. But like, yeah, go down that kitchen aisle of the store. You can find some interesting stuff there. I, I mean, so any silicone, like, restaurant thing, you can hit someone with it, and mm -hmm. it's going to be fine. And also, canes can be really great for impact play, but you want to get the right kind. You don't want to use bamboo because it can shatter and mm -hmm. create splinters over time. Mm -hmm. You want to use, I forget, what's like. The, there's hard rubbers. Yeah. I personally have acrylic ones. Yeah. Acrylic also works well. And I do love caning ones. Oh, oh yeah. They it's live the prettiest marks. They do. You can actually form patterns mm -hmm. with bruises with a cane. I can do X's and mm -hmm. all kinds of triangles and mm -hmm. really mark myself good. 
Do you think that you you could do it well enough that you could leave a bruise in the shape of a dick? <laughs> that would be a little. <laughs> that wouldn't quite work with canes. Cause... I think you'd need a specific like shape tool for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, actually, that'd be hot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's see. We're almost to station break. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'd like to remind people we have started a new webinar training where I'm doing my training programs, showing them on a webinar. It's free of charge. We do ask for donations if you can donate something for it. But it's on Thursday nights from 10 o'clock to about 11, 1130 if, we, if it's an especially long one. But we'll be showing training films and then discussing them after we've gone through them. And also include some handouts, some worksheets, and if it's part of the training, MP3s for meditation or for some guided trance work. It depends on what the training's on. And it's on our website. It's ravenslayerleather.com forward slash videos and you can sign up there and what i'll do is send you a zoom link for the next training and i've got for february 2nd we're going to do a training on raising sexual energy if you have problems with low libido this is the training for you Mm -hmm. Because I provide a whole series of fun exercises that you do at home to help raise your libido. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add anything for station break, Paul? Yeah. If you want to support us and the work that we do here, you can also find our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ladyboy Gigi that helps us to keep bringing you this educational material and uh, anything else anything from a a dollar a month to five dollars a month to ten thousand dollars a month we'll take anything (laughs) (laughs) and also if you're interested in some one-on-one work with me I do have a sex coaching website. It's ggwilber.com. Just go there. I've got a sign-up sheet for it. You can even get a 15-minute exploratory free call to kind of see if sex coaching would be right for you. Mm -hmm. So now back to our topic. We are working on impact play. Mm-hmm. and going through all the ins and outs of it. And that can be so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I want to get more into, I guess, techniques to go for. So if you're starting out, one good toy to have is a flogger, I think. It can be a very good warm-up toy. It can be a very good just like mid-play toy. But you kind of have to... There's a little bit of a learning curve in how to use it. So one good way to do it is to... Practice swinging it on a pillow <laughs> to get like the aim right because you want to hit it about 
about this like right before the end of the falls mm-hmm. yeah and I, I would like to jump in and say that i've had some inexperienced doms do flogging on me where they wrapped around my body and, and, and wrapping, wrapping is the is real if you, bad. if you do wrapping by accident it's really bad because it's kind of like the momentum hits the body and it increases the speed and impact as it wraps around. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, I have had experienced doms do wrapping on, on purpose, purpose. Yeah. But they knew what they were doing. Well, they knew <laughs> what they were doing and did it like at the point where it would be good to have it. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely something you want to avoid starting out. Also, if you're hitting with just the tips of the falls, that's going to be very stingy. So unless you're meaning to do that, don't do that. (laughs) But like I would say hitting with just the tips is preferable than wrapping. And a lot of times people who are starting off like have to choose between one or the other. (laughs) And you should always choose between hitting with just the tips instead of wrapping. Sure. And it does take some practice. Anything I've ever played with as a dom, I took time to learn it thoroughly. All the ins and outs. And that's why I wrote The Dominant Sandbrook. And mm-hmm. you can get a copy off my website, but it goes into all different forms of play and things you can do. And in every section, I covered both physical safety and psychological safety. And also go into some of the spiritual aspects. Mm-hmm. There are so many spiritual things that can occur in BDSM and some healing aspects. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of healing work on a psychological and psychosexual level with a lot of people. And so if you know what you're doing and you learn it really well, you can take someone on quite an amazing journey. Now, one thing we haven't talked much about is subspace. You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, actually, Paul was kind of getting into that earlier with the endorphins getting high. So what subspace is, is basically kind of the peak of those brain chemicals just making you feel good. You kind of feel like you're floating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the goal, I wouldn't say necessarily has to be but it's kind of the goal of impact play you kind of want to get your bottom there and you can tell just by looking at someone and like the way that they act when they're there Mm -hmm. and once they're there you don't want to really go harder that's kind of like unless you're paul (laughs) unless you're a pain slut you don't really want to go harder you kind of want to stay there and you want to keep them there Mm because that's that's the good feel goods and yeah. on the flip side of that, there's also top space, which I don't think not many people talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you kind of get a high from being a top. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> and I think one of the other areas that we don't talk a lot about is the spiritual side. And throughout every known religion to man, there's been a subset of practitioners that have gotten into some form of BDSM or another to reach spiritual growth. The Native Americans use the Sundance ritual where they put hooks in their Mm -hmm. chest and suspended them for spiritual enlightenment. There was the self-flagellation during Mm -hmm. the, uh, was it during the Dark Ages that they did self 
Well, oh, they did it all yeah, for a long for a period. <laughs> the Catholic Church was real big into that. Mm -hmm. And then there's other, everything from fasting to just all kinds of things I, I know to that, reach a spiritual enlightenment. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a thing that in Hinduism <laughs> where they'll attach like hooks with, with strings with razor blades. And then they'll go back and forth where the razor blades will hit them in the back and like cut them all up, like back and forth. And that's that's the thing that they do in Hinduism. There's even uh, I don't remember what the name of it is, but there is like a whole Hindu holiday that is a day that is uh, basically taking on different levels of what is it like like bearing something of uh, just different like pain things and they will do different things where they'll have like different devices that like have like have different things like piercing their whole body or they'll like hang weights off of their back or they'll carry heavy like burdens it's like a, a thing of burdens and and that's real like really really in that whole vein <laughs> and there's some forms of even mutilation that occur especially for ancient trans people where they would do this ritual where they'd go dancing through the street and cut off their testicles and throw them into the crowd and the person that catches it would take them into their home and nurse them and take care of the wound and is considered good luck to be able to catch them. Pretty intense. <laughs> Not, most BDSM doesn't get that intense, but this is something that's been a very spiritual thing for a lot of people and a lot of cultures around the world. So I like to mention that, that BDSM isn't something that's just brand new. It's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. Definitely has a lot of history. Yeah. <laughs> but what are some of the other forms of play that you get into? I'd like to hear a little bit more about the primal. What does the primal do for you? What does it do for you? <laughs> 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 I don't know how to describe it. I think that's one of the things that'll like get me to top space the quick quickest is incorporating primal play and i kind of really only do it with someone that i would have sex with really <laughs> like it's probably i guess since it's such a personal thing mm. and an intimate thing uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with sex for me mm -hmm. and i know when i get into primal play it's like i've done even primal rituals that were pretty amazing. The stag hunt ritual is a very primal ritual. Doesn't involve BDSM. It's more, it can, but it's all about getting into your animalistic self, becoming either the stag or the hunter, ancient hunter after the stags. And you get into a whole different headspace. And a lot about that I find good about primal play is that you're getting into a headspace, a part of ourselves that's very primitive, very primal. And it's like you kind of get out of that rational head 
and more into the intuitive side. And it gets you, it's kind of a good shift for me just to get out of that, you know, monkey brain for a while and into the more primal brain. I know for for me, uh, so I really like the primal side mostly from being the prey, I guess. I I really like to be bitten. I really like to be scratched and clawed. Like, honestly, as much of a pain slut as I am with impact play, I, I think that the primal side, like, really is the thing that really gets me worked up. And, like, being on, like, the side of the recipient, it makes me feel... Like, there's nothing that feels more vulnerable than having someone's teeth on my flesh and knowing that if they were to go too far, they could fucking kill me. Like, (laughs) they're not gonna, like, ideally. (laughs) Ideally, they're not gonna. But, like, knowing that they could and knowing that I am like putting myself on offer like in this really vulnerable state where I'm really kind of like putting my life in their hands. I I think that's really, really hot. The sense of danger can be very thrilling. Obviously you want to be very careful, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it can be very thrilling. Yeah. Like I know for me, like as the prey, like, when someone bites me really hard, like sometimes I can feel like my, like my pulse, like between their teeth and my flesh and like feeling my heart, like pumping blood, like, like into that area and like knowing that if they were to go a little bit harder, like it could really me but trusting that they aren't going to get go to that point like that whole like cascade of like emotional feelings is really really erotic mm-hmm. and i think you're touching on some of the things that i've really gotten into with primal play is building that trust and that connection and i've talked about this on this show before but when you say, oh, I trust you, those are words. When you do a living trust and put your body in someone else's hands, that's trust at a whole different level. Mm-hmm. But any other thoughts on impact play? I think this whole discussion we delve into for primal play, is, uh, <laughs> it goes back to what I was saying, that uh, impact play is pretty versatile. Like You can incorporate different plays into it. You can also do like a lot of like mind fucking kind of thing. Uh, you can really get into someone's head with impact play. Yeah, and... talk a little bit about what mind fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, to me, that's uh, keeping someone's on on their toes. You know, not letting them expect what's going to come next, and just kind of like I don't know, just throwing them off. Mm-hmm. And it's just be very, very fun, really. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've done a lot of mind fuck. <laughs> that can be such an amazing. I've had, actually was had a woman that was a submissive, 
And I said, I'm going to hit you really hard. Are you ready to take it? And I wound up my hand and then tapped her lightly on the butt. And she came in her pants. I mean, it was so hot. That's amazing. Because <laughs> she was, you know, she had tensed up and was ready for a really heavy blow. And I went very light and it just got hit that mm. primal spot in her that just set her off <laughs> it is the cutest thing seeing someone like tense up or get ready for a hit and then you mm -hmm. just well i like to i like to wait a little bit just so like they don't know when it's coming mm -hmm. <laughs> just take a little break and just like um <laughs> hmm am i or just like switch it up entirely and do different sensation like you did just going lights <laughs> mm -hmm. and i i will also say that as a bottom for impact play one of the things that Gigi trained me to do, and it's it's not always easy to do, you know, they're talking about tensing up, and I find myself tensing up sometimes, and then I actively relax, even if I know a hard hit is coming, it's going to hurt a little bit more, but I'm going to get more out of it in the end, and it, it's actually kind of it feels like you are getting to this new level where you can relax knowing that there's going to be a hard hit instead of tensing up. And it's a thing that you need to work on to get to, but it's, it's actually highly rewarding to do it. There are certain things I like to tell my sub as mm -hmm. I'm playing it scene. I'll tell them, Take some deep breaths, and I'll watch them, and I'm going to say, I'm about to give you five really hard ones. Can you take it for me? And then I'll watch their body. If they're tense, I'll say, okay, relax. Relax those muscles before we go into it. I want you totally relaxed. And then I'll go into it once I see that the tension has been relaxed. And that can be so amazing where it takes a person. Mm -hmm. I think if your goal as a bottom is to take more and more pain and like <laughs> to get higher, that breathing technique can be very useful. Mm -hmm. It also helps you get into subspace. Yeah. Deeper into subspace. And that can be such an amazing experience. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> like Paul, when I was a submissive, and I do play the roles. I'm a switch, so I do play submissive from time to time. But when I'm dominating, I like to take the sub on a journey. I feel like I'm a type of shaman. Mm -hmm. The dom is a type of shaman. I'm taking them on a journey, an inward journey, into subspace, and to see where they can go mm -hmm. and experience. Because if you've never been in subspace, it's an amazing experience. <laughs> mm -hmm. Actually, touching on switches, I think if you're a top or a dom, I mean, you can consider yourself exclusively a top or a dom. I think it's a good idea to bottom for play or at least try it out once just so you know, like what you're giving your bottom, like what experience you're going to be giving them. And even like as simple as like when you're trying out new toys, good idea to test it out on yourself first. Personally, I like to test out new toys like on the side of my calf on my dominant hand. So my right side, I will test it out and see like how hard I can hit with certain toys, especially if you're going to be using something like 
heavier or something that can be potentially mm-hmm. dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if you only have the experience of wielding it and you have no idea where you're bringing your sub to, you are a little bit out of your depth, I think. Whereas if you have experienced it yourself, at least you have some idea of like the place that you're bringing your sub to. Mm-hmm. Something that I've heard in the community and I personally believe is that doms and tops that have bottom and have experience in bottoming are tend to be the better ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting close to the top of the show. Any takeaways from tonight's show or anything you want to add that is very special to you in Impact Play that we haven't covered yet? <laughs> <laughs> I guess a note to bottoms and submissives, don't push yourself if you feel like you're reaching a point in play where you feel like it's a good stopping point. Like, don't feel bad about letting your top know. And if you're a top or a dom, thank your bottom for letting you know like that they're done or that they want to keep going or just like where they are. It's it's a good thing because I think bottoms and submissives will tend to want to please their tops and doms, so they might try to push themselves more than what they should. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one thing we forgot to cover is cool down and nurturing after a scene. Aftercare? Like yeah, yeah, aftercare. <laughs> <laughs> so aftercare is something you definitely want to include in your negotiation. And that is something for the bottom and for the top, because both the parties may need certain things for aftercare. And that could be cuddling, uh, physical reassurance, just talking about a scene and going over like what you liked, what you didn't like. I like to call it debriefing. Physical needs like blankets, drinking water, eating. Water is important. And I like to kind of separate after scene review from aftercare. Do that the next day or a couple hours later because your sub's still flying. And it's going to be hard for them. You, you want to bring them down gently. Mm-hmm. And that's what aftercare is all about. It's Some people like to be wrapped up in a blanket. Some people, it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So whatever, and for me, I like to, with, in the past, I used to ask my subs during the negotiations, what was the food that you really enjoyed as a child that mm-hmm. brought you joy? And then provide that for them for the scene, mm-hmm. for the aftercare. But all kinds, use your imagination, whatever will kind of help gently bring the sub back down to, because they've been flying for you, if you've done your job really good. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's a thing that we should bring up, which is occasionally people experience sub drop. Do you want to talk about what sub drop is? Okay, so sub drop, because you went through such an emotional high and just like your brain got flooded with all those good chemicals, they're going to (laughs) drop. You're going to go through, some people kind of feel like depressed or anxious afterwards. So you'll usually like the next day or a few days later, and Mm -hmm. you're just, you're going to feel terrible. (laughs) It doesn't happen as heavy for some people as it does for others. It's going to look different. It's also something that's going to affect tops and doms because they also experience a high. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. I find that uh, a good thing to do as the top is to check in on your bottom or submissive days after to say like, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Do you need to talk about things? Do you need some like hugs some physical reassurance? Another thing that can help with sub drop if it's really severe is to have them come over and do a very light scene to get a little bit of those endorphins going again. But not Not near as heavy. No, don't go heavy at all. (laughs) Just keep it real light. And that'll get the body kind of rebalanced a little bit. Mm -hmm. I I know. So I've only experienced sub drop a couple of times. And when I experienced it, I, I know that I kind of pushed Gigi away. I kind of pushed everyone away. So also if you're a dom and your sub goes through sub drop and they need space, that's another thing to like recognize that they need and be mm-hmm. okay with it. Yeah. Communication is key. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, any other takeaways? I so for I I think for most people who like are dipping their toes into BDSM, impact play is most likely gonna be your like first foray into the thing that we do. And the one of the reasons this is is because impact play has you you can go to a lot of different levels. Uh, you can do light impact play, and if you're like brand new, like it it's pretty easy to not overstep your bounds. Whereas with some of the other forms of play, like electricity or fire play play or needles (laughs) or any anything like that there's uh not as much like light play that you can do in those arenas Mm -hmm. so when you like first are starting and you start to get into to pain play don't feel like you have to go all the way there because i've seen a lot of people go too hard and then think that the scene isn't for them because they went too hard their first time. And even if like the first couple of times you play with someone, you leave wanting more than you got, that's completely okay. In fact, it probably should be that way the first couple of times with a new dom. Definitely. Every time. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like to do when I'm playing with a sub, especially one that's a little shy and hesitant about using safe words, is I say, I'm going to take you to yellow. I'm going to slowly increment because I want to hear you say it just to make sure that they're able to say, use their safe words. And so I'll incrementally go harder and harder until they say yellow. But but if you do that, you also have to physically check in with the person to make sure they haven't gone nonverbal. True. Yeah, and I do that, but I've been very careful about <laughs> what I do in BDSM. But 
one thing I would recommend if you're new to it is to join a BDSM group and learn from some of the people that have been around for a while and have the experience. That's how I learned it. And they will share information and teach you. They love taking on new people to teach. And definitely learn from different sources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've covered it pretty good. Any last thoughts? Or... I think we've covered everything. Yeah. Well, as usual, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy sex play. Enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. Have a good night. <laughs> good night. Sweet dreams. Yeah. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.